I just Googled it. Did you know the word Noel means a shout of joy? And so when we sing the first Noel or we sing Noel, Noel, we're singing a shout of joy. The Lord has come. And so that's what we're doing tonight as we worship together. We are really shouting for joy. We're celebrating what God has done uh, and done for us so many years ago. Hey, what is the greatest uh, Christmas gift you've ever received? The most memorable Christmas gift, a, a Christmas gift that really stands out to you? Go ahead and put it in your mind and then turn to your neighbor and tell them real quick, what is the favorite gift you've ever received, most meaningful gift, most memorable gift? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them real quick. All right, very good. One of the most memorable gifts I've ever received, uh, I think I've told you before, I was about 10 years old, and my brother, uh, Jonathan, who was up here in the flannel earlier, uh, he gave me a gift. It was in a large box. It was one of those boxes that's so large, uh, you can't wait to see what's in it. It's one of those, this is let's leave it till last kind of boxes, you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm going to leave that one till last. I start opening it up. You know what's going to happen here, right? I start digging through the paper, more and more paper. Finally, in the bottom of the box, there are several bricks in the bottom of the box, right? Totally throwing me off the trail because also in the bottom of the box was a Polaroid camera that he owned that he knew I liked. And he put that in there for me. I think it was something like this, I think, if I remember right. Don't get me wrong, it was not 1920 when he gave it to me, okay? It was not 1920, but there is about what it looked like. And I really liked that gift. It was such a meaningful gift for me uh, all these years later because I knew what it meant for him to give that up. And in the bottom of that unusual package was this most meaningful gift given with great love. And friends, you know the greatest gift ever also came in a very unusual package, and it was given with great love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but will have everlasting life. The greatest gift of Christ given to the world to everybody who would receive it. And I think the best way to maybe describe this gift to you, because when I think about the gift of Christ, some of you, you're very familiar with the gift of Christ. And today is just going to be a mere reminder of all of what the blessings are, are in Christ. But for some of you, who maybe are new to faith, or maybe you're just beginning to think about Christ for the first time, this is going to be a description of this gift so you become more familiar with it. In the book of John, Jesus described himself in seven I am statements, seven ways that he described himself by saying, I am this or I am that. We're just going to look at three of those today, and I'm also going to need your help, some volunteers to help me, three volunteers to help illustrate these three ideas, okay? The first one I'm going to have somebody come up, if you could, and we're going to get a uh, gift for, for you. Jason, you already know what's in there, you know. You were here before you saw it. Somebody over here want a, a little present? It's, uh, it's tasty. It's tasty. Anybody want a little present over here? No? All right. All right, Nathan, you can come up, all right? Yep, there you go. Very good. <laughs> so go ahead and open that up. What is that? Ooh, little bread pudding. I would love to say that I baked this, but I didn't. But it would be best if you used it by 1229.17, okay? That would, be, that would be best. That's yours. 
Um, don't eat it all in one setting, okay? All right, Merry Christmas. <clears throat> Jesus said it this way, and I hope you remember it now. Jesus said, I am the bread uh, uh, that gives life. I am the bread of life. For, uh, John chapter 6, verse 35. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. One thing about Christmas, there's an awful lot of food there. About two weeks ago, I was sitting with some friends. I said, you know what? Leading up to the Christmas season, I think I'm going to lose a few pounds. And they said, are you kidding me? At Christmas time, are you crazy? And they were right. I mean, there is food everywhere. Fudge and chocolates and cookies and chocolatey pretzels and ham and stuffing and egg casserole and my mom's cheese grits. and, mm, mm, mm. And some of you just right now are already hungry just thinking about it. And so I decided to postpone my pound dropping until the first of the year. But one thing about eating is no matter how much you eat, no matter how satisfied you are in the moment, every time you eat, you know a few hours later you're going to want to be hungry again. There's something about food that satisfies for the moment, but it doesn't last. And Jesus uses this analogy and he says, look, I'm the bread of life. I can satisfy, I can fulfill for all time. And so when you choose a relationship with him, you're understanding that what true satisfaction is all about. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what challenges you face, no matter the struggles or the negative news that's out there, no matter what the problems, Jesus says, I will be with you. I will give you a peace that passes understanding. I will love you with an abiding, everlasting love. And I will give you a joy that's lasting. And so when we uh, have Jesus in our life, we are satisfied. John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it what? Have it to the full. It's interesting to me that the enemy, our enemy, the devil in the Bible is called the thief. He promises happiness, but in the end, it leads to dissatisfaction. He promises that you will be fulfilled, but in the end, it leads to uh, disappointment. And if you just think, well, I'm going to skirt the rules just this time. I'm going to buy more than I can afford or, or I'm going to make this decision. It may be fulfilling for a very short period of time, but sin only has that for a season. And ultimately, it's disappointing. And I've seen in my own life that when Jesus is for me, that when I have him as a part of my life, no matter what I face, no matter the ups and downs or the good things or the bad things, that God offers this peace in my life. He offers this joy in my life, this satisfaction in my life that's deeper than just the temporal things. And so, guys, life without Jesus is life without satisfaction. All right, I need another volunteer. So far, both services, I've only had children. And uh, maybe I could have an adult for the next one. How about an adult, all right? Just come on up. Who wants to? It's a small box. How many of you guys, ladies, you know the smaller the box, the better. Oh, I got, I got two. Good, you're next. All right, Roberto, here you go. It's not a ring. I'm not proposing. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> a little card. <laughs> this is a olive wood cross from Bethlehem, and uh, so that's something you can hold on to. Yeah, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. Um, so, uh, the cross from Bethlehem, 
reminds us, of course, what the greatest gift of all is. And in the Bible, Jesus describes himself as what? Not only did he say, I'm the bread of life, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. John chapter 14, verse 6. And this is one of the most important Bible verses in all the Bible because Jesus says, look, if if you want to know me, you want to really understand who I am, if you want to really have life, you have to understand that I am the way, I'm the direction, I'm the map. Through the cross, through what I did on the cross, I can offer you eternal life. And this is very important because today it's very, uh, very normal for people to say, it doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere about it. It doesn't matter what religion you follow, just make sure you do it with the best of your ability and God's going to honor that. But the problem is, while there are some commonalities with world religions, for example, there are good people in all world religions. You'll find good loving people. You'll find good morals and uh, good values for the most part in, in world religions. But there are significant differences. And the biggest difference is when it comes to this assertion of Christ. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Only Jesus Christ claimed that he was God in the flesh. Only Jesus Christ backed up that claim, not only with undeniable miracles, living a sinless life, but ultimately fulfilling prophecies that were hundreds of years old, dying and atoning death on the cross, which had been prophesied 700 years prior. He dies that atoning death. Why? Because you and I owed a death price we could not pay. Because of our sin in our life, we had separated ourselves from God, and God in His grace said, I will pay that price for you. And Jesus Christ is the only world leader who ever backed that up by coming back from the grave three days later. The uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Christ Himself. Someone once noted that religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you the way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the way. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you how to become enlightened. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you the many doors that lead to God. Jesus said, I am the door, so follow me. And so for a long time, world religion after world religion has popped up to say, how do we build our way back to God? Christianity is unique in this. It's the only one that says God himself built his way back to us. That despite your sin and wrongdoing in your life, that I I will love you enough to give my very best for you. The primary difference between Christianity and every world religion is this one word, grace. Jesus Christ had grace and mercy for you and me, and it's not based on anything that we do. It is only based on God and his love for you. This is seen in an old parable a comparison between two parables in world religions, one from the Buddhist religion, one from Christianity. In the Buddhist story, there is an errant son, much like in Christianity, the errant son, the prodigal son. The errant son goes off in his own way, lives his own life in a sinful life, eventually decides to come back home. In the story, the errant son is required to work off the penalty of his sin for his past misdeeds by spending years in servitude. But you know the Christian parable. The prodigal son, the son who lives wild in wild living, decides in the worst of condition to come back to his father and say, Dad, I'm really sorry for what I did. And yet in this story, rather than the dad forcing the son in servitude, the son runs back to his father and the father sees his son from a long way off and actually runs to his son. Why? Not to scold him, but to forgive him and to extend grace. And in that one story, 
we see a dramatic comparison between these two religious views. One, where God is filled with grace. One, where God is judging and demeaning and demanding. I believe and have chosen for all of my life to follow the one that kicked the end out of the grave and returned three days later, demonstrated his love for us on the cross. And so that cross that you hold, Roberto, is a cross that reminds you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Friends, life without Jesus is life without direction. I'm going to give one more gift away, okay? So one more volunteer. One more volunteer. Okay, come on up. I'm already opening it for you. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully you like this. It's a candle. Hey, it smells like sugar cookies. Enjoy. You can't eat it, though. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Well, of course, we're here to candlelight service, so how fitting that we give away a candle, right? You see what we did there. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 1 is another story, another version of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 is the one we usually read. There were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch of their flocks at night. But John chapter 1 is another one, and John describes Jesus as light. John chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus is the true light that gives light to every man who is coming into the world. So this Jesus then is announced as the true light that gives light in the midst of the darkness, and that's why we celebrate. That's why we have candlelight services. You ever wondered why we have so many lights at Christmas time? I have a theory. I think that somewhere back in the history of America, there was a group of wives that got together. And they said, you know what we're going to do at this women's conference? We're going to make our husbands miserable. We're going to figure this out. And so they took some votes at this conference together, ways to drive their husbands crazy. And the first one, one lady spoke up. She said, I know what we could do. We could like three or four times a year, we could like suddenly have an idea that we'd like to rearrange the furniture in a certain room. And once it's all rearranged, we'll look at it, step back, and go, you know what, I think I liked it better the other way. And all the other ladies in the room were like, that is such a brilliant idea. We love this. And then another lady said, you know, another wife, she was like, I know what we could do. We could, we could, you know what we could do? We could have our husbands just, we could wake them up randomly in the middle of the night and say, did you hear that noise? And, and then we'll just, we'll go right back to sleep, and they'll be up looking and searching the house. This is going to be great. Ladies, you like that? Oh, it's a vote. Yay, we all voted, and they applauded. They loved it. Then another lady raised her hand. She said, you know, I've got it. I was just thinking out loud, but um, what if over the holiday, we could just climb up on dangerous ladders, have our husbands climb up on dangerous ladders and hang lights, and, and this will be fun. We'll just have them put them outside the house, and everybody thought that was a wonderful idea. And then another lady said, I've got it even better than that. Let's make it out of a substance that when you take them out the next year, they're all tangled up. It's going to take them days to do this. Another lady was like, I vote for that. And they all celebrated. And another one had like the idea of all ideas. She said, I got a really good idea. Let's do it in such a way so that if one bulb goes out, they all go out. And we're going we're gonna to drive these guys crazy. We're going to be distracted for weeks leading up to this. And believe it or not, that's not how it happened. Back in the middle uh, medieval ages, uh, back before there was electricity, you can trace this history of Christmas lights to 
individuals who were followers of Christ. And they would take a candle and place it in a window in their home or in other places as a symbol that Jesus is the reason for the season and that the light of the world has now come into the darkness of the world. And that slowly evolved into what we have today, so that we are, we are hanging lights on our trees or we are hanging lights on our houses. We are saying to the world that Jesus is the light of the world. It's not just a festive reason. And as you drive around in neighborhoods with lights on houses, maybe you take that moment to remind your children that the reason we celebrate with these lights is because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Christmas is a season where we celebrate the light of God coming into our our world. And some of you really need to hear that message tonight. If you're experiencing just the darkness of despair in your own life, maybe because of something this year has, has not gone like you expected. Maybe you're experiencing the darkness of suffering, maybe some physical pain that you're going through or someone you love is going through. Maybe you need the light of Christ in your life to remind you that no matter how bad things get on this earth, Christ still offers peace, he still offers hope, and he still offers joy in the middle of pain. Maybe you find yourself in a dark area because of your own mistakes or failures from the past. You just made some decisions you wish you could take back. And maybe you could allow the light of Christ's grace to shine on you tonight. And remember, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you have become, God's grace is still extended to you. And tonight, maybe you need to hear that God still loves the world. And the words from the cross ring true. Father, forgive them. One of my favorite prophecies is an Old Testament prophecy about the coming of Jesus into the world. And it's from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And Isaiah prophesied the coming of the Messiah. And he said, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that's what Jesus came to do, to shine his light into the darkness. And John says that light brings life. And so life without Jesus is life in darkness. And tonight, in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate the light of life coming into our world with a candlelight celebration. And we're going to do it in a way that that, uh, that just simply takes one light and extends to the whole room. What is your best Christmas gift? Dr. James Dobson tells a story that I love about an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope who was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had died a few months prior to that through a slow-developing cancer. And now several days before Christmas, she was almost snowed in by a brutal weather system. She felt terribly alone. So much so that she decided she was not going to decorate for Christmas this year. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rang. And what do you know, there was a delivery boy at the door with a box. And Mrs. Thornhope, she, she uh, answered the door and he said, Mrs. Thornhope? She said, yes. He said, would you sign here? She invited him to step in from the cold for a moment. And she signed the paper and said, what's in the box? The man laughed. He opened up the flap, and inside was a little puppy, a golden Labrador retriever. And the delivery boy picked up this squirming puppy and handed it to her and said, this is for you, Mrs. Thornhope. He's six weeks old. He's completely housebroken. And this young puppy started to wiggle in happiness as it was released from this uh, box of captivity. "Who, Who sent this, she asked. The young man set the animal down and then handed her an envelope and said, it's all in the envelope. It's explained there, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift for you. And then he handed her a book, How to Raise Your Labrador Retriever. And in desperation, she again asked, who's the puppy from? And the young man turned and left 
and he said, your husband, ma'am, Merry Christmas. Dr. James Dobson says she opened up the letter from her husband. He had written it three weeks before he died and left it with the kennel to be delivered with this puppy as his last Christmas gift to her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed that he was waiting for the day where they would meet again in heaven. He sent her this young animal to keep her company until then. She wiped the tears away. She put the letter down. And then remembering that puppy at her feet, she picked it up, that furry ball, and and held it to her neck. Then she looked out the window, and as Dr. Dobson tells the story, she saw the lights that were outside her neighbor's house. She heard from the radio in the kitchen the strains of joy to the world. The Lord has come. And suddenly Stella Thornhope began to feel hope again as her heart was filled with joy and a wonder greater than the grief and the loneliness. She looked down at the little puppy and said, Little fella, it's just you and me. But you know what? There is a box down there in the basement. I bet you'll like it. It's, it's got a little Christmas tree in it, some decorations and some lights that are going to impress you. And there's a manger scene down there. Let's go get it. And in the midst of darkness and loneliness, a little light had come. And my experience is, even in the most difficult of circumstances, that if you look for it carefully, that you will find a light, a light of hope, a ray of hope, a light of encouragement. And friends, I'm just asking you tonight to just consider the fact that the greatest light of all is the light that Christ shines into your life. And then a smaller light is how then you take that and you pass it on to someone else. And in a very representative way tonight, we're going to do that with candles. And we're going to light the candles, and they're going to represent the light of Christ. It's going to spread not only through this room, but throughout the world this evening. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your grace. And thank you, God, for the little gifts that remind us about the hope and the promise that we have in Christ. He's the bread of life. And through him, we'll never go hungry. We'll always be satisfied. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And through him, we will find direction for our life and salvation. And he is the light of life. And through him, we will never be in darkness. Jesus, we love you and praise you. Amen.